0: As you get seated, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Revelation with me. We will be in the seventh and final letter uh, in Revelation to the seven churches in Revelation. That is Revelation chapter 3 verses 14 through 22. But, uh, but as you turn there, before we, before we begin, I want to tell you uh, about when I became a Christian because when I, be, when I became a Christian, God gave me a new appetite for two things— First, he gave me a new appetite for his word. And second, as soon as I became a Christian, God gave me a new appetite for coffee. Coffee. We have any coffee lovers in the house? Raise your hand if you love you some coffee. Well, I love coffee. Now, Now, before I was a believer... I thought that that coffee was actually really, really gross, that it did not taste good at all, but, but then I became a believer and I started hanging around some guys who really want to do Bible studies and discipleship groups in coffee shops. And so I had to order coffee at these coffee shops, and sure enough, I started to really grow in my love for the Word. I also started to really grow in my love for coffee. Now, I'll be honest, when I first started drinking coffee, I would only drink iced coffee. Raise your hand if you like iced coffee. In fact, I tell you, my go-to coffee, like my go-to coffee probably three or four times a week, I would go to Dunkin' Donuts. I would get a large caramel iced coffee with cream and sugar. That's what I would get. That was my, that was my drink. But then after some time, I did that week after week after week after week, and I realized, hey, all this cream, all the sugar, it's really not good for you, Chase. And so eventually, I switched from iced coffee to hot black coffee. It didn't take me long for for me to really start enjoying hot coffee. Now, every now and then, I'll go to Dunkin' Donuts, I'll get my large caramel iced coffee with cream and sugar, but usually, if you catch me drinking coffee, it is hot black coffee. Now, if you're a coffee drinker like me, and it seems like many of you are, you know what? It has to be. Coffee has to be either hot or very very cold. Like coffee, good coffee can't be somewhere in between. And when coffee is in between, when it's it's not really hot and it's not really cold, when it's lukewarm, I don't care who made it, where it comes from, you can't get me to drink that coffee because it's not going to taste good. No one likes lukewarm coffee. Just imagine I go to to Schaefer tomorrow and I walk up to Madison and I say, hey, bro, like, can you get me a lukewarm latte? Can you just pop me just, just a lukewarm latte? I'm feeling in the mood today. A lukewarm latte. Madison would look back at me like I was absolutely crazy because no one's ever walked into Schaefer and ordered a lukewarm latte. Because everyone knows hot coffee's good, cold coffee's good, lukewarm coffee, blah, awful, terrible. And what we're going to see tonight is, is that it turns out it's not just coffee that's no good when it's lukewarm. But tonight we're going we're to learn this very important thing. So are Christians. So is Christianity. You see, I, I, I'm not a fan of, of lukewarm coffee. But we're going to see crystal clear tonight that Jesus is not a fan of lukewarm Christians. He's gonna make this point abundantly clear to us tonight in this text, that, that lukewarm Christianity cannot last. Lukewarm Christianity cannot last. Tonight, in this room, it must be put to death. Because we can have hot coffee and we can have cold coffee. But no one likes lukewarm coffee. It can't last. And so tonight, by God's grace, it's going to end. We're going to be in Revelation 3, 14 through 22. I'm going to read verses 15 and 16 to kick us off. This is what the word of God says, and it sets the trajectory for this text. Verse 15, Jesus says, I know your works You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Let's pray. God, the words we just read in your word are alarming, they are scary. I can only imagine the enemy who seeks to devour us, who's leading us astray into lukewarmness is here tonight trying to tempt us to keep us from hearing your word. God, would you overcome him tonight? Because you have overcome him through the cross. And may every ear be tuned to your word. It might be the most important word we've ever heard. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I'll be honest, this passage is tough. And I think this particular passage, it might be one of the most well-intentioned, misunderstood, and misapplied passages in the entire New Testament. The most well-intentioned, misunderstood, misapplied passage in the entire New Testament. You probably know because we just read it at this this point. The passage is about lukewarm Christians. In those verses we just read, we just heard that Jesus has some seriously intense, some frightening words directed at these lukewarm Christians. And so based on that, what we just read, many well-meaning Christians interpret this passage to mean something that I just simply don't agree that it means, namely, that first, lukewarm Christians aren't really Christians. And second, that therefore, because they're not Christians, they will be judged to eternal hell. And I think the, the fundamental error that people are making is that they don't understand the context of what Jesus is saying and who. He is saying it too. In other words, I think many people they misunderstand this passage about lukewarm Christians because they don't actually understand what Jesus means by the term lukewarm. So I want us to start tonight by asking that really important question. What does it mean to be lukewarm? What is Jesus saying here? It's pretty important, right? So I want us to look down at our first verse tonight, Revelation 3, verse 14, says this. Jesus says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. So as he always has in, in Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus is going to begin this letter by, by doing two things. First, he's going to introduce himself, and then he's going to introduce who he is Writing to. And he tells us right there in verse 14 that in this final letter, this seventh letter, he's speaking to the church in Laodicea. And that's important. You need to know that. But you don't just need to know that. We just, we, we can't stop quite there because the real key isn't just to know who Jesus is speaking to, but, but the real key for us tonight is to understand the context of of what's going on in and around the people he's speaking to. That's the key. And if we can figure out that context tonight, I think, in fact, I know we can figure out what Jesus means by lukewarm. So what's going on in Laodicea? What's going on in Laodicea? Well, the important thing you need to know is that similar to Sardis a few weeks ago, this city Laodicea, was hit by a massive earthquake, a massive earthquake. It was the year 60 AD, massive. And that happened in Sardis too, but here's the difference between Sardis and Laodicea. This is huge. After getting hit by an earthquake in 17 AD, Sardis accepted help from the Roman Empire. They helped rebuild their town, rebuild their roads, rebuild their buildings, Because Sardis realized they needed help, and so they allowed the Roman Empire to help them. But in Laodicea, when they get hit by an earthquake in 60 AD, guess what? They don't accept Rome's help, but they refuse Rome's help. So unlike Sardis, they didn't realize the condition they were in. At least they couldn't admit the condition they were in, and so they rejected help. And so in this passage, Jesus, he's not addressing the city of Laodicea, but he's addressing the church in Laodicea, and we already know he's gonna call them, in verse 15, lukewarm. And here's the context. Here's the historical backdrop behind what Jesus is saying here. He's looking at his church, and he's saying, you have become like the city you live in. You have become like the city you live in. This city you live in, they see themselves as self-sufficient. And now you, living in this city, my church, you are now also seeing yourself as self-sufficient. So in other words, Jesus was trying to get them to see that this church was mirroring, reflecting, The city. This is going to be the first key tonight to understanding what it means to be lukewarm. To be lukewarm means to mix culture with Christ, to mix or to blend or to confuse culture with Christ. This is what the church in Laodicea was doing. They had become like the city they were living in. They were reflecting the culture around them. So have you ever heard anyone use the phrase cultural Christian, cultural Christianity? Many of you have probably used that phrase, heard that phrase. Where does it come from? Well, it comes from this passage. It's oftentimes cultural Christianity. It's used interchangeably with lukewarm Christianity. And so, according to the context of this passage, cultural Christians or lukewarm Christians, they're people who have allowed the culture around them to influence them rather than them influencing the culture around them. And I gotta be honest with you guys. For for weeks now, for weeks now, I have been dreading preaching this passage because. I've known for weeks now, there's just no way around what we're about to have to say next. Because this is the church in Laodicea, who is mixing culture with Christ. But do you guys realize tonight, who else is doing this? Not the Laodicean church 2,000 years ago the American church, right here in 2023. The American church, the one that you and I are a part of, like Laodicea, we have become lukewarm. And I wish with all my heart that I could stand on this stage, pat ourselves on the back and say, you know what? The American church, we're like Smyrna. We're like Philadelphia. We're even like Pergamum. They're pretty great. But I can't do that, because the truth is, out of all of these seven churches in Revelation, there's no doubt in my mind that we, the American church, is most obviously like Laodicea, this final church. So many Christians within the American church have chosen to confuse, to mix, to blend culture with Christ. And it's absolutely frustrating and it's absolutely heartbreaking. And what's even more frustrating, what's even more heartbreaking, is I see this happening in two very different ways. You see, first, this this American church we're a part of is mixing what I'll call the ultra left wing part of our culture with Christ, the ultra left wing part of our culture. And this shouldn't come as news to any of us, but there are churches, there are Christians all around the country who are being influenced, even being conformed to the far left culture of our day. I mean, let's just briefly consider three major issues in our current age. Three, just three. We just throw three out there. Sexuality, gender, abortion. These are, these are three issues in which the left-wing culture that we live in is unquestionably at odds with what God's Word says. You realize that? The left-wing culture would suggest to you that it's not just okay, but that it is good for you to pursue sexuality however your heart may desire even if that means pursuing it outside of the covenant of marriage, even if that means pursuing it with a member of the same sex. Or they might suggest to you that it's not just okay, but that it's actually good for you to evaluate and even change your gender based on how you feel regardless of the biological sex God created you to be. Or they'll tell you that it's not just acceptable It's not just okay, but it's actually morally right for you or me or for anyone to abort an unwanted baby. Why? Because we want to. Because it's convenient for us. Because our convenience is actually more important than their livelihoods. That's our culture, and it's sick. But here's what's more sick. The American church has become, is being influenced by this culture. So instead of lovingly speaking out against these issues through the absolute clarity of God's word, there's many American Christians and many American churches that are accepting and even promoting the inherent goodness of these issues. Just turn on the news. Things are crazy and the church is a part of the craziness. And do you ever just ask, what is going on? What is happening? I'll tell you just like Laodicea, the American church is mixing culture with Christ. We are confusing culture with Christ, and by doing so, we are becoming, we have become lukewarm. And perhaps a lot of you are frustrated by this tonight. It is right to be frustrated. I am frustrated. But for many of us, the reality is maybe being influenced by this far left-wing part of our culture isn't our temptation tonight. Which is why it's necessary for us to open up our eyes to this second reality. The second, the American church is also mixing or confusing what I'll call the ultra-right-wing culture with Christ the right wing culture I am I'm fully aware pretty smart guy I'm fully aware that this is the point in the message when I could very likely get ridiculed by many many people including people in this own room which tells me even more so I probably need to say this We need to realize that to be a Republican does not mean you are a Christian. You realize that, right? And to be a Christian does not mean you are a Republican. Culture does not get mixed with Christ. I'm not saying you can't be a Republican, that you can't vote Republican, that you can't be a Christian and be a Republican. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is Republican and Christian, not interchangeable, not synonymous. And so yes, I think many of us are rightfully outraged at how this ultra left-wing culture of our day is influencing the church. But my question is, my frustration is, why in the world aren't nearly as many of us outraged at how we've allowed the far right-wing culture of our day to equally influence the church? What is going on? So I'll name three more issues. Poverty, immigrants or refugees, racial reconciliation. Three more issues, but this time, it's the ultra right-wing culture of our day that is unquestionably at odds with what God's word says. And it is so frustrating. This right-wing culture would like to suggest to you, would like to get you to believe that the poor in this country, the marginalized in this country, they're actually not our problem. They've dug this hole for themselves. Maybe you've heard that. And so therefore, you know, you and I, we can freely ignore their needs in order to pursue our wants. Or maybe that immigrants, maybe refugees coming to this country should first and foremost be viewed as threats because they might steal your job. They might hurt you. They might make your life harder. So don't view them as image bearers of God who are seeking shelter and safety. View them as the threats they are. Or that perhaps any talk of of race or racial reconciliation, it should just be silenced. Maybe even scoffed at because these vast racial discrepancies and segregation that exists in our country, oh yeah, they don't actually exist. See, I don't don't know what each of you individually believe. And I don't know what you're being told. I don't know what news station you're watching. I don't know what you're seeing on social media. But these things and so much more coming from both the left-wing and the right-wing cultures of our day, they are simply against the very character of the God we just worshipped. So when I say something very personal, To you, teenagers, tonight, to you, college students, tonight, to myself, tonight, to Gen Z, tonight. I'm not just fluffing us up here, but I believe with all my heart that the direction of the American church, whether we will continue in lukewarmness or break out of it by being faithful to the Word of God, that's going to depend on us. My question for us is will we be lukewarm? Will we allow the culture to continue to influence our faith in Christ? Or will we wake up tonight and every night choose to make every thought held captive to Christ? Will we begin to discern every issue, whether theological, whether moral, whether political, whether social, according to God's word... Even if doing so, guess what? Gets us called intolerant from one side and woke from the other. Are you willing to do that? Can we please stop for a second loving politics more than we love people? Can we please stop for a second worshiping donkeys and elephants and start worshiping the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God? Please, Gen Z, please, students. Are you with me on this? We have to stop being lukewarm. That's what these sins were. We have to stop mixing culture with Christ. It's got to stop. It has to stop tonight. But also, we got to stop mixing comfort with Christ. And these really go hand in hand. We got to stop mixing culture in Christ, but we also got to stop mixing comfort with Christ. So, so based on this text, I'll just go show my cards. I would define lukewarmness primarily as two things. Being cultural, which you just saw, and being comfortable, What you're about to see. Look with me at what Jesus says in verse 15. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. He says, would, or I wish that you were either cold or hot. And here's where many people come along, and they think this is referring to Jesus telling his church, hey, I wish you were all in, or I wish you were all out. I wish you were hot, or I wish you were cold, but that's not what I think he's saying. Because here's the context. You see, in Laodicea, the city he's speaking to, towards one side of the city, guess what there was? A hot spring. Towards the other side of the city, in the opposite direction, guess what there was? A cold spring. And so you, in the middle of Laodicea, if you would just put a little bit of work in, you could have for yourself either hot water or you could have for yourself cold water based on whichever the side of the city you needed to go to. We're following? But here's the catch. Here's Jesus' point. If you stayed in the middle of the city, you're not getting either. You're not getting hot water, you're not getting cold water. It's comfortable in the middle of the city. You don't got to put any work in, but guess what? In your comfort, all you're left with is lukewarm water. So I need you to hear me out. I don't believe Jesus is saying, I wish you were all in or all out. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, I need you, church, to be useful to me. I need you to be useful. I need you to be like the hot spring on one side of your city or the cold spring on the other side of the city because hot water and cold water, guess what? Both have purposes. They're both good. They're both useful. But that means you got to stop being lukewarm. Because lukewarm water is not useful. And this is point. Cold water useful, hot water useful, lukewarm water not useful. So Jesus tells us that he wishes we were either hot or cold because that would make us useful to him and to his kingdom. But if we stay in the middle, if we stay lukewarm, that's very comfortable. But in our comfort, we lose our usefulness. I I think we all got to remember this tonight. If you're a follower of Jesus, and many of you are, when you and I chose to follow Jesus, the Bible is clear. We chose to leave comfort behind. When we chose to follow Jesus, we chose to leave comfort behind. Here's what Matthew 16 says. Jesus tells his disciples, you're a disciple of Jesus if you follow him. He says, if anyone would come after me, guess what? Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Then he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We chose to leave comfort at the door when we picked up our cross and started following Jesus. You want to know why so many of us are lukewarm tonight in this room? It's because we have convinced ourselves that we are here to be comfortable. We have convinced ourselves that God has put us in this country to make a lot of money, to buy nice cars, to live in nice houses, to be the most popular people in school, and to keep quiet, keep our own, and never step on anyone's toes. That's a very comfortable life if that's what you're pursuing. A very, very comfortable life. But can I tell you, it's not a Christ-glorifying life. It's not a deny yourself and take up your cross life. Lukewarm Christians have forgotten that we are here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to follow King Jesus and to make King Jesus known, period. That's why God woke you up this morning. And I promise, if you do that in this culture and every culture, it almost always will result in your uncomfort. I promise, go to school tomorrow and share your faith with a friend. It's going to be uncomfortable. Speak out against the culture it's gonna be uncomfortable. Follow Jesus when no one at your school, no one in your locker room, no one in your home is. Guess what? You kinda look like an outcast, you kinda look like an oddball, that's really uncomfortable. It's easy to be comfortable. But comfort leads to lukewarmness and lukewarmness leads to ineffectiveness. And so if you want to be effective for Christ tonight, and I hope you do, we have to stop being lukewarm. We have to get out of our comfort zones, no matter the backlash that it might cause us. That's what it means to be lukewarm, to be cultural and to be comfortable. And we got a lot of cultural and comfortable people here tonight. So let's just ask this next question. What's the problem? What's the issue with lukewarmness? like the deep-rooted issue. Other than making us ineffective, what is the problem with lukewarmness? And answer that, I'm going to let Jesus do it. He's going to give us an external problem, and he's going to give us an internal problem. And first, the external problem, guess what? This is a big one. Jesus hates it. Jesus despises lukewarmness. Look with me at what he says in verse 16. He says, so because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, many people believe Jesus spitting out of his mouth here refers to judgment, meaning that this church and and perhaps us, that we can lose our salvation, but that's not true. Instead, this this statement is referring to a church, to a type of Christian that makes Jesus sick. I'll use this illustration, What, what would happen if I were to drink lukewarm coffee? I was expecting it to be hot, maybe I was expecting it to be an iced coffee, but it's lukewarm. What's gonna happen? I'll tell you what'll happen. (sighs) I'm gonna immediately spit that out of my mouth. That's gross, man, like get that away from me. I don't want lukewarm coffee, I'm disgusted by that. But the spitting lukewarm coffee out of my mouth, does that mean I'm never drinking coffee again? Spitting lukewarm coffee out of my mouth. Does that mean I'm never going to that coffee shop again? No. Doesn't mean any of that. What it means is that I didn't like the taste that just hit my taste buds. I didn't like the taste of that lukewarm coffee. It made me sick. It made me spit it out to taste it. I didn't like it. That's what Jesus is saying. Your lukewarmness makes him sick. He hates it. When it touches his tongue, he wants to spit it out. When you touch his tongue, he wants to spit you out. You don't taste good to Jesus if you're lukewarm. You don't please Jesus. You upset Jesus. You have angered Jesus. So when he says, I'll spit you out of my mouth, he's not saying you can lose your salvation or that you were never really a Christian. What he's saying is, is that your present lukewarmness, hear me, students, your present lukewarmness is not good. And I don't like it. He's saying it's gotta change. So that's the external problem with lukewarmness, and it's a big one. Let's not gloss over it. Jesus hates it. He's repulsed by his church's lukewarmness. But perhaps for us, the internal problem not the external, but the internal problem with lukewarmness is going to be equally significant. You see, the internal problem, don't let me lose you here, students. The internal problem with lukewarmness is simply this. You don't think you're lukewarm. Up to this point in the message, you're thinking about everyone else in this room, everyone else at school, everyone else in your locker room, everyone else at your home, the issue is, no one thinks they're the one that is lukewarm. And this is absolutely terrifying to me. I want you to look at what Jesus says in verse 17. He says, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Key words not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. See here's the internal problem with lukewarmness. Nearly everyone who comes across this passage in Revelation 3 always assumes it's talking about anyone else. Like just look at what I see it. They genuinely thought they were okay. They thought they were rich, that they were prospering, they didn't need anything, all the while failing to realize that they were not okay at all. That is the internal problem with lukewarm Christians. They don't realize. We don't realize we are lukewarm. And my hunch is that very few of us in this room, if any up to this point, actually believes that this passage is talking about us. What if we're wrong? You thought to consider that? Like, What if it is talking about you? What if Jesus tonight, through his word, is actually speaking to you tonight and saying, you're lukewarm, and I don't like the taste you've put in my mouth. I'm afraid many of us are are more lukewarm tonight than than we realize. If you don't believe me, I'm going to ask you uh, just a, a couple of questions. I want you to focus on these questions. I want you to answer them silently, but I want you to answer them honestly. Question one. Do you agree with what I said earlier about sexuality, gender, and abortion, but then immediately got upset at me at what I said about the poor, about refugees, and about race, or vice versa. did You get upset about sexuality, gender, and abortion, then got upset when I talked about poor, refugees, or race? If so, if the answer is yes, is that because you're choosing culture over Christ? Because God's word's clear. Question two Do you always do and say what is right in the eyes of God, even if that causes you great suffering? I'm not talking about the person next to you, I'm talking about you. Do you always do and say what is right in the eyes of God, even if that causes you great suffering? If the answer is no, that almost definitely means, at least in that moment, you are choosing comfort over Christ. You would rather be comfortable than to suffer. You would rather be comfortable than have a difficult conversation. You would rather be comfortable than share your faith. And this is the last one. Do you regularly share your faith with friends and family members? regularly if the answer is no i want you to ask yourself is that because i am afraid is that because i don't know how they would respond and i could get really uncomfortable our friendship could get really uncomfortable well doesn't that mean at least when it comes to sharing your faith that you choose comfort over christ you see the issue right just three questions you see the issue we're honest, we're going to discover that there's elements of our life, our faith, that we are more lukewarm than we want to realize tonight. So let me just challenge you real quick on on one thing. Instead of reading this passage and always thinking about someone else, my suggestion tonight is that we're much better off if we'll read this and start thinking about ourselves. If I would read this And see, myself, I am better off. Because in some way, to some degree, my guess is every single person in this room who is a believer tonight is guilty of this. Of blending culture with Christ or blending comfort with Christ or both, which is what it means to be lukewarm. You are lukewarm. So is there any good news then? What is the good news? Is there an escape to this lukewarmness? That's going to bring us to our third the final section, what's the remedy for lukewarmness? If you're, if you're alert and you're paying any attention at all, you want the remedy. If you're a follower of Jesus, you want to escape lukewarmness. You are disgusted by your own lukewarmness, so what's the remedy? Jesus is gonna offer us four ways to be freed from lukewarmness. First, we have to realize we're lukewarm. You have to realize your lukewarm. Jesus says this in verse 18. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes. So according to Jesus, this is his counsel to you and me tonight. We have to realize areas of our life we are lukewarm we are not okay and we got to realize that it's only through Jesus that we can buy what we need to overcome this lukewarmness and when he says buy from me that is referring I think to faith so in essence what he is saying is if you want to overcome your lukewarmness tonight what do you need to do step one you need to trust in Jesus For some of you tonight, this means you need to come to Jesus for the very first time. Because if I'm being honest, some of you need to realize that you're not a lukewarm believer, but that your lukewarmness is an indicator that you are just an unbeliever. Because you've been lukewarm since day one of this thing. That's not evidence of faith, that's evidence of unbelief. And the only way for you to cure your unbelief tonight is to put your faith in Jesus for the first time. And for others of us in this room, it means we need to come back to Jesus tonight. We need to come back to Jesus. We need to leave behind cultural and comfort for the sake of following Jesus more faithfully tonight. And so I just want to invite all of us, including myself, to come to Jesus tonight. To look to the cross and to see the price that he has paid. And then to realize that the only response to what he's done for us is to totally trust in him. To wholeheartedly follow him today and every day for the rest of our lives. You don't trust in Jesus once. If you trust in Jesus once, you trust in Jesus every single day of your life. We have to wake up and realize this tonight. Second, we must repent of our lukewarmness. Verse 19 says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. So here God promises to discipline those who are believers who have become lukewarm. And perhaps, just speculating, perhaps this discipline to you, lukewarm believer tonight, came in the form of a wounded ego. I've studied this passage for some time. I can tell you from experience. This is how God seems to discipline. He will wound our ego so that we would repent of our pride, our sinfulness, and follow him more completely. And if we don't repent tonight, you know, perhaps, just speculating, God's discipline for your lukewarmness is gonna come in a much more severe way. I don't know, I'm not God. What I do know is this. His discipline is loving, and it's meant to lead you to repentance. So if you realize you're lukewarm tonight, and we all probably are, then we must repent. And third, we must be restored to Christ. Realize, repent, and be restored. Look with me at verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come into him and and eat with him and he with me. So here's the picture Jesus is giving. You, in your lukewarmness, has closed the door to Christ in favor of culture, in favor of comfort. You've done it. However, even though you've closed the door, guess what? Jesus didn't go home. He stayed at your door. And now he's knocking and he's waiting for you, believer, to let him back in so that he can restore fellowship with you tonight. So let me ask you, can you hear Jesus knocking? What does that sound like? I'll tell you what it sounds like. If it sounds like conviction. Is there conviction in your heart tonight? And you want to sit down at the table with Christ once again. For those of you who are not in Christ, don't get me wrong, that's called salvation. Salvation. You open the door to Christ through faith, you be saved tonight. But for those of us who are in Christ, this is called restoration. We need to be restored in fellowship with our Jesus tonight. And then finally, one more. We must remember. Verse 21. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. On my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on his throne. If you want to be cured of your lukewarmness, not just tonight, but moving forward, you have to remember every single day where you belong and where you're going. And the point is is if we're in Christ, you don't belong here. I don't know if you realize this, you don't belong here, so don't get comfortable. You don't belong to this culture, so stop letting it influence you and tell you what to believe. Believe the word of God. You belong to Jesus Christ. And one day very soon, you will sit down with your king on his throne. Will you be pleased with how you lived this life or will you be disgusted that you lived it lukewarmly? Lukewarm Christianity cannot last, students. Not in me, not in you. Think about a good cup of coffee. Tonight, you and I must decide if we wanna be a hot cup of coffee or a cold cup of coffee, but we gotta stop being that lukewarm coffee. Realize, repent, be restored, and remember. And by doing so, today and every day, let's put an end to lukewarmness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, may your word pierce our hearts may your cross heal our hearts and may your kingdom spur our hearts forward to bold faith despite the culture despite the comfort every single day it's in Christ's name we pray